0: Set the priorities that you feel are fit for yourself and your and your family, the ones that are going to best serve you and your family, and architect architect a lifestyle around that. Um, so once they really and and have a life purpose, you know that's something you you'll you'll read when you if you read that Lawrence Gonzalez book, and that's something that's very deep in the survival literature of who makes it or who survives and who dies um, under stressful conditions. Is having a life purpose, having something that's greater than yourself. You know that's for me that's me and my family creating a an environment that I can always look after them and protect them you know that's my life purpose and I think when people have a life purpose uh, incredible things happen and then probably find in the areas that you want to research or improve in whether it be nutrition exercise life business find the best person in the world or the best people in the world at that you know we live in a internet culture now where you can go on if I type in nutrition there'll be everyone from the, the most someone who's just switched to a whole food diet today and decided to make a blog all the way through the best people in the world and everyone in between so there there's so much you know, saturated information on the internet so find the people who are best at it you know go right to the top because it saves a lot of problems and it's um, gets it results a lot more efficiently and effectively. That
1: was Ben Logan. This is Dug It, the podcast. Welcome to Dug It, your daily dose of vitamin D-O-U-N-G to get you feeling tippity-top and happy as me. And today we've got Ben Scott Logan on the podcast from New Age Primal. Ben um he's a bit of a local legend down in wanaka went down in the last year with the organic mechanic guys and i'm not sure if i just put a post out or something anyway we got in touch i think i'm following him on instagram and he decided to host us uh just on the fly uh him and his beautiful partner bell jones who's a wonderful filmmaker and photographer Their dog Muska, this wolf of a dog literally I think it's the closest thing you can get to a wolf and Zahara is a newborn child but wasn't around when we were down there but uh, Ben hosted us and we went cold water swimming, river surfing running a march skiing down in Wanaka it was really really wonderful and, and he runs this really cool business with Dr. Greg Emerson and kind of primal methods and preventative health. So he mentioned saving people at the top of the waterfall rather than kind of catching the bottom, which, um, and Greg was coming from this kind of emergency uh, room position, and he's transitioned into the more preventative side of health. They just finished an awesome, uh, by the sounds of it, workshop with the Sydney Roosters. So they're working with sports teams, corporates, a whole lot of people to kind of increase productivity, which, uh, I've always found this link between your physical health and, and everything else you do. Even Tim Ferriss was talking about the other day is the one kind of consistent in his life when you get the workout and everything else improves. So Ben's kind of part of, uh, of making that happen and, um, and in a really cool way. So har- harvesting, foraging, learning to survive in the wilderness, hot, cold exposure, a whole range of things they do down there and also an online course. So check out New Age Primal for sure. And uh, interesting, I was thinking, because he's obviously a tough guy. He used to be a former top triathlete, and he still is uh, a, a top athlete. Um, I'm not sure if he's still racing it or in, doing anything like that. But he, I was intrigued to what his most difficult challenge was, and uh, whether it was the family or the business or. But he brought epilepsy, and he never, he actually hadn't mentioned that uh, to me before. I wasn't aware of it, so. Um, That was interesting, kind of took me back. I just found a little video of him uh, that Bell made and talking about their fundraising and and awareness work with epilepsy as well. And um, yeah, it's like everyone's got their little things. And this isn't that little, but I mean, you can blow it up and make it as big or small as you want it to. But um, it was quite a humbling thing and, and inspiring. And so we started this quick, Skype chat, uh, so it starts off a little bit slow. I was just kind of uh, in between dinner and managed to tee up time with Ben, and uh, but he covers off some great points and and uh, really really amped to come down and uh, do a course. I might try and organise something with him, take a few guys down from up north and and tee up a time this year to to have the full New Age primal experience with uh, with Ben and Greg and uh, tap into some of that wilderness fun and uh, and kind of challenge yourself mentally and physically. I think it's a, a great thing to do, to, to raise some new standards of what's what's possible. So hopefully this does that for you. And uh, as always, hope you dug it, share it, enjoy it. Shout out to Ben, and uh, get in touch with him if you're interested. And uh, I think that's about, oh, I'm reading this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, it's a, it's a doozy. There's a few other book recommendations by Ben as well, but that, that one is um it's a humdinger about how we value importance in life but like what tony robbins talks about these key things we need and, and and sigmund freud talked about sex and something else as our key drivers but this one's focused on importance and you can you know direct that any which way you can so ben's directing it obviously in a, in a great way with the the work they're doing down there so without too much more here is ben logan and uh hope you dug it enjoy and how's the summer been
0: um good yeah different uh, it's uh otherwise it's been very average uh, no it's been nice it's just been very unsettled very windy quite a bit of rain um, unseasonably cold temperatures at times I think the whole country said the same thing but um yeah no, it's been good I think most of the summer we are just sort of preparing for a bell. bell. Yep. You don't really know when the baby's going to come, so you've just got to prepare. Um, and I guess with us living three hours away from the nearest hospital, three and a half hours away from the nearest hospital, you've got to get there quite quickly, so you've got to be reasonably prepared.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I so I guess for me,
0: it's, yeah, so a lot of the time I've just been spent um, just getting ready, really. But it's been nice.
1: Cool, and has it been a bit of a life? I guess it's a life change, but uh, you're saying it wasn't maybe as bad as as difficult as you thought, or
0: yeah. Well, you hear, I guess there's a very big spectrum of um, childbirth being yeah, a very surreal experience. It's kind of just your days just blur into one, basically, of just looking after them and trying to continue with your normal things. But um, yeah, it's a real privilege, real treat.
1: Cool, man. How's the? I see. I see. Me doing some stuff with uh, Dot Emerson. With Greg. With Greg, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, he's he's who I started um, New Age Primal with, basically.
1: Cool. Well, if, we, uh, if we kick it off, what's the you've been doing the New Age Primal um, kind of what do you call it workshops? Primarily,
0: we do performance and survival courses for corporate, sports teams, and individuals.
1: Cool. And what what got you originally? Because you were doing triathlon before this, um, right? And what kind of got you kicked into the the more primal uh, uh, teaching side or coaching side? Um,
0: that's a good question. Um, I guess. You know, come from a triathlon background, just the pursuit of performance, um, seeing where the body can go. I I thrash the triathlon side of it, but there's, you know, there's work. Uh,
1: have lost you again.
0: Yeah, you know, what are our goals? What are our in here in life, which are wants to survive, and I guess the two go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. So just exploring that. and using as a benchmark to do what I love doing, and help others uh, incorporate those skills into their life.
1: Cool, man. And um, and what? What? How did Greg Greg get involved?
0: I met Greg down in Wanaka about two and a half years ago, actually, just um, by coincidence. I followed some of his work and asked if he wanted to come out. Um, I think he was going pine pollaging, pine, pollaging, pine <laughs> pollen foraging. That that day, I asked if he wanted to come, and we just we just hit it off really well. Uh, formed a good friendship and pitched the pitched the idea to him, um, and he's very similar-minded as well. He's sort of a yeah, we 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 bounce off each each other very well, which is nice. So he jumped on it and just uh, been going ever since.
1: So he was right into the foraging and kind of uh, more holistic medicine side from the get-go.
0: Um, not really. No, he trained as an emergency physician originally from Nelson, uh, moved to Australia. He worked as a senior dive, um, with uh, senior divers in the medical s- uh, side of things. Um, he was the director at Ris- Brisbane Royal Hospital in emergency trauma. Um, and I guess he felt what he was doing. He wanted to work with people at the top of the waterfall to stop them from falling off, not resting at the bottom of the waterfall. So um, he changed slightly and studied integrative medicine. Um, so instead of treating the, the symptom of a condition or a disease, he wants to treat and he, he works very closely with um, figuring out the root cause of a condition. So he calls himself the Sherlock Holmes of medicine and disease. His his goal is to find out what's wrong with a person and um, really, really cure that illness.
1: Oh, that's cool. I'm actually catching up with, uh, I saw Ben Warren at Wonderlust and I'm doing a podcast yeah. with him this coming weekend all on, all that genetic expression and, and where uh, these kind of pathways have been blocked or um, nutrients that Activizing. are missing through the food chain and yeah all this kind of stuff and even like uh, he's, he had this food scanning device where he said uh, he can scan with like a little laser the, the food in the supermarket and see how much nutrients is in it and wow. in a supermarket foods often like 20% of what you just grow at home. Or but be organic? And he, and he talked about the getting those minerals back into the soil and, and it really f- yeah, super fascinating. So it'd be quite cool to hear what he and he's been doing lots of research on mental health as uh, it relates yeah, to gut bacteria and, and sugar and um, and probiotics and this kind of thing. So yeah, man, it's right up that'd be very interesting. my avenue. Have you been um in touch with Daniel Vitalis too? Because I remember when I first saw your stuff, I, I was listening to his podcast at the same time and kind of thought it was, yeah, um, kindred souls there.
0: Not recently, no, no, no. He, he, um, he's a busy man with his um, business, with his courses, with um, what he does back in the States, so I'm sure he'll get up sometime, but um, no, I haven't been in touch lately.
1: Um, and what's the what's been the big learnings from having Greg on board? Is he – because he must have a wealth of experience there then for
0: – Yeah. It's, um I mean, I'm in my early 30s. Greg's in his early 50s, so he's been around the block a few times, and he knows a lot of things, um, a lot of life experiences. And um, I guess one key aspect we wanted to do differently with our courses was really practice what we preach and really explore physically the – uh The effects of what we're teaching. A lot of people promote this stuff, um, but don't quite follow through and really walk the talk, um, which I find is quite a disservice for the sort of information, the sort of um, skill. So we really want to practice what we do. So he's been doing that for a long time. He's got a wealth of knowledge, like you said. Um, Yeah, just just the intrinsic wisdom, I guess, of um, ancestral tribes, um, indigenous cultures. And just his experience of um, living with them, practicing with them, instead sort of really learning from them and seeing how we can apply that with science to um really create a full spectrum picture of what we're trying to do.
1: What would you see? I like the idea of like living, you know, practicing what you preach. Because uh, I was loving the cold water immersion and the Wim Hof breath work and and. The foraging, the foods, one element I feel like I'm really missing, but those parts I kind of do daily, like quite a few things I do daily. But um, the fasting, the cold water, and and like sauna practice and stuff like that. What would your kind of uh, routine look like each week, or what what do you try and fit into your day then in terms of gathering food and exercise and and routine?
0: Routine has been slightly hard the last, uh, three weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, l- I like having a routine. It's, it's, it's not always a positive thing. I think it's, I think it'd be good to be flexible with your habits, your chores, things you, you need in your life. It's not always been a strength of mine to be that flexible with it, but I'm being forced or learning to do that very quickly, which is, which is quite a good thing. Um, there's certain things I like to have in my daily life. Um, which is sort of structure, and one is cold water, which normally do in the morning or normally in the evening. Uh, if I can do two, or do, I will. Um, and
1: that's just in the, usually just down the river because you're in the South Island, so obviously it's pretty just cold. Just in the river warm. where we yeah. did it off
0: the wharf when you were visiting. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's a great spot. So that would be, <laughs> what temperature would you, would that stay kind of below 10 degrees year round, would it? Or, or.
0: Foreground. It flirts between 10, 11, 12 over summer. Yep. Uh, winter time we can get down to uh, four or
1: five.
0: Yep. So it's cold water, and it's, I guess it's a blessing to live that close to it. You know, we, were, we got down there with a five-minute jog that time, so um, you're very lucky to have it that close and that cold as well. Cool. Um, yeah, so, so cold water is a big one for me. Exercise as well. I haven't been doing it the last couple of weeks, as I mentioned, but um, only to try and get a couple of sessions in I try and structure my day so instead of doing one workout per day or three times a week, I try and do three or four smaller ones per day.
1: Yeah. what, whoa, 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 Does that kind okay. of look like anything in particular or are you just uh, throwing whatever
0: uh, you're feeling? I normally put a good walk in there with the dog, Alaska Mellon Masker. He likes to walk a lot, so I get him out for a long hour walk. Um, I enjoy boxing. I've got a good boxing bag downstairs, so I thrash that for 30 minutes, then do something else, um, perhaps a weight session. And we've um, we've been swimming quite a bit in the river as well, so perhaps a, a, a weight session, then a swim in the evening.
1: Nice, brother. Let's get in the outdoors. And, um, and sort of incorporate
0: to... that with meal timings and intermittent fasting as well. They're, they're sort of the main three or four ones I try and keep a regular basis throughout my daily um, routine and through my week as well.
1: And what about the what? What kind of food are you foraging on at the moment?
0: There's a lot of fruit out at the moment. It's a, it's a we live in a very abundant area, as I'm sure you saw. Um, Winter time's pretty scarce. Spring's pretty scarce. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stone fruits been out lately. Uh, apples are starting to come in. Berries are starting to kick in. A lot of herbs are starting to kick in as well. Wild plants, wild herbs, which have been nice. Rose hips are about four weeks away, so that'll be exciting. Um,
1: what do you generally have? Rose? Yeah, that's about it.
0: Just a lot of fruit and berries at the moment.
1: I've heard a lot of good things about rose hip, but I don't know a lot about it. How do you have it's that? It's extremely
0: good for immune support through its vitamin C. It's yeah. a very resilient plant as well. I mean, most, most of the plants around here don't get. They live in very harsh conditions, so they build a very good resilience, which. um. There's some big research coming out at the moment, which is going to, I think, be very big in the next sort of two or three years, which will back a lot of that up.
1: Because how would you not? Do you often have teas, or will you have your herbs with food, or how do you like to kind of consume that stuff?
0: Rosehips are normally to eat. Um, the other herbs are normally sort of um, heat to a temperature that's appropriate for them, or the best extraction from the medicine, I guess. Um, so you don't know eating or cooking or boiling or steeping.
1: So I just had this like team master staying with me and the the power of having these these old trees and the nutrients they get from right down the earth and then like yep. not having the water you know having the water just blow boiling and instead is quite quite fascinating
0: Well like you said with that um Ben Warren and his little special machine if uh, people aren't getting the nutrients they, need through supermarket food and that's all they have the ability to get, whether it be financially or they just don't have organic or wild foods. Um, herbal teas and herbalism is a great way to get that um those nutrients in one's diet.
1: Yeah, what what what, what would you say is missing in in the general diet of of people you come across, or what, what do you kinda preach food wise for people to start to incorporate if they're, if they're working a job and they kind of don't have this time to maybe maybe do what you do or what someone with a bit more time might, might do, how would they get some of that wild food potentially into their diet?
0: Uh, herbalism, herbalism is a very good way. Uh, through tinctures, through teas. Everyone has a hot drink, whether it be coffee or tea. So you can either swap out your earl grey or your coffee and perhaps put a slightly more um, medicinal tea in there. Uh, tincture is a very good way. Tinctures are a very good way as well to get that medicine in, very easy, very economical. Um, But like you said, everyone's got a different um, work life, family life, um, things they're busy with. And I guess the aim of the game here is for incredible health. And a big part of what we do is really trying to create a, a strategy for people to implement these things into their life and how they actually go about doing that. Like you said, if they're that busy, chances are without the good information and knowledge and strategies, um, those real vital aspects will be missed.
1: Well, and what sir? What's a tincture?
0: Tincture is extracting uh, the medicine from herbs through alcohol.
1: Okay, like
0: uh... so. You you would have probably seen those uh, little droppers that you can take uh, herbs in.
1: Yeah, I think I've got. What do I have at the moment, the is it the Zotera or the the essences um, essential oil droppers? I've got a, quite a few of those at the moment, which I didn't realise they're. Edible yes, I mean there. essential
0: oils. You don't normally take as much, but um, you can extract the medicine or the properties of herbs or wild plants through um, a very high alcohol content and leave it there for a period of time, and it extracts it basically. Yeah. So it's um yeah, if you know how to do it, it's a very efficient way to um make the most of those wild plants and herbs.
1: Cool. And what's uh what is what does one of your courses look like at the moment? Because I see you do What's that? What does what is your average kind of course
0: What was look that again, like? sorry?
1: What does a course look like in terms of itinerary?
0: The courses. So yeah. we're doing a survival and performance course for corporates and individuals. Um, For corporates, what we want to do is we want to take someone's role, whether it be a business manager sales, uh, real estate, marketing or advertising, and I will introduce the concept of looking at their job, instead of a job, looking at it as a performance. So the idea with performance is to make it 100%, so their work could be 50% or 60%, um, really optimizing the nutrition could add another 5%, really optimizing their sleep. Which are going to make them more productive and efficient whilst they're at work could be another 10%. Um, exercise. And the goal for us is to put into people's lifestyles and their work strategy. Try and get it towards 100% as much as we can to really, um, really make their job a performance instead of just a job. And um, when you really get into it, it really works with people who uh, really want to succeed. Um, because they need to have the understanding of re- why they're doing this in the first place if that makes sense mm. and with the sports course we uh take sports teams, a bit large sports teams that we work with the Roosters, Sydney Roosters actually just before Christmas which was a great experience and we put them through a extremely uh challenging 40 hour challenge which is basically a lack of food lack of sleep and um, very constant physical beastings and the goal is to set them a uh, perspective that they're never going to lose so for example they're going to look back on that experience and think in my team and individual life I've never been through an experience quite as hard so it gives them a level they can always think back to and think um, it gives them a great perspective and it gives them a great opportunity to work as a team under physical duress emotional duress and mental duress as well so putting them through extremely challenging conditions and um, teaching them the skills and strategies to get through it so no matter what they go through individually as a team in the future, they can always look back on that experience and think, if we got through that, we can get through anything else.
1: Nice. (laughs) And what did that involve doing? Where was that in Wanaka?
0: So that was at the back of Queenstown, actually. Um, Got them off the plane. They basically went into 40 hours of constant physical workouts, uh, very little sleep, um, I woke up at about two in the morning with shotguns over their head, fireworks, um, to simulate an ambush, um, very little food, um, hill climbs, rope climbs, uh, they had two 14k, two fourteen or 15k log carries, cold water training, a navigation course, obstacle course, you can fit a lot into 36, 40 hours, so they, um, you know, they're physical dudes, their, their job is to perform at a very high level, so... They're used to training as such, um, but I guess the they also weren't told what they're doing when they were going to finish, which I think was probably the hardest part of what they went through, and played very um, played very large on their minds. So just lack of sleep, lack of food, the the the, the unknown and uncertainty as well, and just um, constant physical workouts.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of that. It was one of Tim Ferriss's guests who had the he created the world's toughest race, and he. Not tell people anything, pretty much. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. It, it, I think that because I, I find whenever you got doing a workout and you know you come up to the last set, you've always got that extra bit of energy and lift, and and Force. and kind of preparing for the unknown is a bit yeah, it's it's tough mentally, like you say. Um,
0: and they went through it. They went through it, and they were questioning a lot of the time why they were there. Yeah. And afterwards, we really took the time to explain all the aspects we went through and the reason behind it. And obviously, when you're doing a race or you're training, you don't have reflection time until afterwards and understand the benefit of what you just went through. And that was the same with them. They went through excru- excruciatingly hard experience, but afterwards, when they really reflected on it individually, they took um, great things away. And as a team, they took great things away, and they really, um, really appreciated and understood the elements and aspects to what we did.
1: And uh, and that was good fun whipping the chain, was it?
0: It was whipping the chain with a with a purpose. You know, anyone can say um, go to a twenty-five k pack march, but um, you know, I, I did ninety percent of it with them. Which you know, I wanna I wanna be able to practice what I preach and show them that we do live that lifestyle and really do um really can yeah. toe the line with them. So I I did pretty much all of it with them, but it was, it was yeah, it was whipping with a purpose. Everything had a reason behind it.
1: Cool. I like that piece you done kind of talked about sleep before have you got um what are the some of the things you kind of uh picked up in terms of being efficient with the sleep because i saw andreana huffington just came out with a well a few months maybe a few months back or a year ago maybe longer actually but it was quite recent anyway that her she didn't realize the importance of sleep and brought this big book out and was trying to that was like her life message. Now was the the value of sleep, and that's probably one thing that kind of gets okay. looked past. And it, and I know people often talk about it as like a badge of toughness, almost the the ability to go without sleep. Well, um, and it was interesting. Tony Robbins even talked about it, but he, he said he had this, some kind of machine which would take him into deep REM, and he could yeah kind of get away with five maybe five hours in terms of how he could really tap into that deeper state and almost quality over quantity which um, I guess people talk about the blue light now too. Yeah, I mean I guess going back
0: to what you said initially uh, that the modern man's way of thinking is a badge of honor or a rite of passage if you can go without sleep which is is a very backwards way of thinking when you um, really sit back and reflect on it. Because that is where we do a lot of our regeneration and repair and, and um, process information and recover for the days ahead and what we've just put ourselves through. Um, so, yeah, for the average person who doesn't have the Tony Robbins level of experience and perhaps technology with sleep strategies and hacks, sleep is very important. And like you said, quality over quantity, you know, there's no point. Well, what's better, having a five-hour incredible block of sleep or um or nine hours of very broken sleep.
1: Yeah, you'd go with the the shorter. You'd you'd think. Have you got? What would your have you kind of got a, got a breakdown to to ensure some kind of routine to ensure you get get that quality of sleep or a, a measure for people? Yeah. Because what, most what? of the day I
0: operate. Most of the day I operate um, devices with a blue light blocker, which is which are. It's been very beneficial. There's some really good apps. I use the Twilight app. It just blocks the blue light light out of the devices, which really does um, mess up with your sleep cycles and patterns. Um, I try and um, also with timings for workouts, uh, eatings, I don't try and do too much of an intense workout too close to sleep. I'm just too jacked. Likewise, with food, making sure I get my what I eat and also timing with meal before sleep. And um just giving myself time to unwind, which again isn't isn't always been a strength of mine, but I do see the purpose in it. And when I really do practice it, um I see incredible benefits. But just not getting too jacked up before you go to sleep, giving yourself that time to really unwind. Different things work for different people. I normally take the dog for a walk, sit on the deck and watch the sunset or um the stars. Some people enjoy reading. I don't enjoy reading that much, I don't do it. But um just something personally that really doesn't wind you. So when you go to bed, you're not going from doing an email to trying to get to sleep.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Is it Jarek Robbins? Tony Robbins' son, he was saying he got brought in to deal with the paratrooper medics. And apparently they're just amazing athletes and and medics or doctors. But the one piece he could uh, work with them on, he saw was their uh, ability to switch off. Before sleep or with family, and they will so they, they kind of created routines or they figured it out themselves, like what worked for each of them to to turn off when they got home. And um, it's some yeah. quite interesting patterns. Like even one he talked about, just going through like a gratitude practice of your family before you got to see your family, so you're appreciating them and all the moments you had with them. And then when you got to see them, you weren't likely to pick up your phone for a business call or um. Yeah, it was a very that, good strategy yeah I thought some it was like really simple stuff but it kind of got you in a mindset where you were focused on he said not turning the work off but turning the family on so you're yeah yeah or turning on that rest as well so yeah, um, yeah there's things that
0: will never go away and I think um especially if you're in a busy you've got a busy contract you've got a lot of clients or you just come through a busy period. It, Realistically, that's not going to go away. You're not going to stop thinking about it, but you can prioritize and place importance on other things.
1: Um, and what's the what have you got? Because obviously, you've got the family, so you're pretty busy with that. What what have you got coming up? Wise in terms of your courses, or are you are you managing clients day to day?
0: So we're doing a little bit of online work. So some people can't come to our courses. Yeah. Um, Geographically wise, or time-wise, they just can't get here um, with what they've got going on. So we offer our courses online. So we're doing three or four of those a week, which um, which is nice, you get to do it from home, and it's a it's a it's a close experience that you can tailor to the person as well, which I enjoy. And just working on our um, corporate and sports um, team contracts for the year, we're just sort of finalising our bookings. And um, you know, each course I want to do differently for sports team or corporate to another, I don't never ever want to do a course uh, stock standard because they have different needs, different levels, different experiences, different health issues um, and just different backgrounds. So each course we do, we really want to tailor where we take them, different places in the environment down here, the level of depth we take them as well and just the overall experience we give them. And it's um it's very beneficial, it just does take a bit of time, but um you know, I see benefit, and I enjoy doing that for the clients and the people who give us the give us their time
1: yeah, that I feel like that actually that was a big point of Ben Warren's talk too was like the picking a diet
0: or a gym workout off yeah, the it's shelf. just you know people are giving me their time and trusting me to 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 benefit them. So I want to be able to create the most beneficial and um, inspiring, optimizing experience I can. You know, we, we do more than just promote health and teach knowledge. We give them a uh, we spark paradigm shifts. We we give them a platform from our experience, from our course. So the more monumental and um, exciting, challenging, and um, just just awakening we can create that experience, the better it's going to be. You know, anyone can sit in a boardroom and talk about nutrition, gene expression, um, AMPK activation, herbs, training but um, you know, we want to do that out in the, out in the wild and really enforce a, a really great atmosphere that we can um, spark those incredible paradigm shifts from.
1: Beautiful, man. What was, it, what was the, I think you might have mentioned it before, the kind of health of the population but is there a big kind of you know, underlying motivation or, or, or goal or change you want to see in kind of society?
0: Um, that's a, that's a good one, and I, it's a very, it's it's a it's a good question. It's a hard one to answer. That's going to please a lot of people. Um, you know, in in this world, there's a lot of consciousness. There's a lot of belief. There's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of um, happy thoughts. I'm more of a realist, uh, laced with. Um, I'm a realist, laced with um, seeing what I can do for people. So I don't believe society as a whole is going to change realistically but what I can do is work with people who do want to make those changes and um, I can throw my stick out there and whoever does jump on it, I'll work as hard as I can to change their life, I really do but um, you know as a whole society I think there's um, the way society travels.
1: I just lost you there after you said whole society.
0: I said thing I was saying as a whole society I think there's powers to be which are going to shape the direction of um how everyone travels, but like I said, I am going to chuck a branch or a fishing line out there, and whoever does want to jump on I'll be ready to um give them the work we do
1: nice brother and what and so again we're, we're, trying
0: to, we're trying to focus on um, quality over quantity you know I can't i don't I can't realistically and don't want to change the world I just want to work with the people who um Interested in the work we do, and more importantly, want to make changes within themselves. Cool. That
1: reminds me of uh, Ido Portel saying he kind of priced his course quite high, and 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 made it difficult just for that reason. They had to attract those like-minded people, not the people on the fence, just kind of want to dabble a toe. So,
0: yeah, and realistically, I don't, you know, anyone's welcome on the courses, but we want people who are really going to. The reason most people fail with this is because it's hard work uh, t- to make last lifelong changes uh, across all spectrums that create incredible health and performance you know it's it's hard work it's not it's not a pill you can take it's not a two hour lecture you can take it really is a lifelong changes that is very hard work to do um that was mascot barking at someone so um yeah we want people who are committed for the long haul and are in that um, part of their life where they really do want to make changes.
1: Cool. Well, on that kind of note, what, what kind of uh, defines success for you? Or is there is there a particular person or uh, quality of life that that you're working towards? Or is, it, is there an idea of success or where you want to get to? Or is it, is it just part of the, the journey of, of helping and progressing and and kind of that's a one
0: what well, the uh, the modern perspective or um, the modern train of thought when it comes to success is a very interesting one for me and I think it's quite damaging as well you know is it money is it successful is it having a particular car is it being in a relationship is it having a style of house is it having a network of friends you know that's the main things that define success in a modern cultural society and it's uh, very damaging and that 's actually where a lot of people come back to us on our courses is they've been through that Cycle found it hasn't worked, and they want to define, redefine for them what success means. And I went through that as well as a younger age. Um, so for me, I want to find out what makes me happy, being with the family, being with my dog, being in this little environment, and having enough money to do the things we want to do. Uh, being able to travel a bit, be able to enjoy a good quality of life, um, and have knowledge to pass on to my family and children. You know, that's to me, that's what uh, equals success. Being able to pass on a legacy and leave the world in a better place for me and my family, my children. I've got a daughter, a new daughter. Hopefully, another one or two, perhaps at some stage. But leave, leave the world in a better place. I've been just instructed; it would just be two, but just leave the world in a better place. Then, um, then I found it, and I think that's very important. You know, what what is success for individual people? Um, and I think once they really answer that individually, that's when people will see within themselves, uh, big changes.
1: Yeah. Has the becoming a dad changed your perspective on that at all? Yeah. Sorry to get that? Have, um, has becoming a, a, a dad father, has that changed your perspective on, on that?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think is all, um, I don't want to say conscious men, but men who are really in tune with themselves, what they enjoy, what they love, and really respect themselves, their family and others. You know, we, we've always, um, and I guess you're the same and the other uh, organic, organic boys and, and everyone else in that sort of a picture. You know, we, we respect ourselves, we respect others, and we're sort of in tune with what it would be like to be a father or have a family. And it's something I've wanted for a long time. And I've, I've had some very close friends, Uh, have young families as well so I've been able to take part of the journey without being fully immersed in it but um yeah having that responsibility that love that you don't really feel until you do have a child your first child or any child um it's a very surreal experience very grounding very humbling I guess and just um it puts things Um, give me a new perspective again.
1: So I missed that piece. It puts things in perspective. Perspective. Yeah. Was is there anything you picked up from your lessons from your dad, from your from? I don't actually know anything about your your family, but is there anything? Well, what was what was your background growing up, or what where was your family based, or what was that life like?
0: We had a nice growing up, um, single mum with four children. I'm the oldest of four. I had um, two brothers and a sister. So single mum, four kids, obviously was going to be quite challenging. Um, and it, it was hard in ways, but also it taught us great things in ways as well. You know, we learned to be very self-reliant, very resilient, um, had to communicate very well and just just had to work as a unit extremely well to um, to survive and make, and make do. Um but, you know, out of good things bring positive things, out of bad things can also bring positive things as well.
1: Yeah, what, what if you don't mind me asking, where, did, did you know your dad?
0: My biological father left when I was uh, two days old, and my stepfather um, to my three siblings um, wasn't a particularly nice man. He had a lot of issues, very abusive, and um, my mother made the uh, very smart move to leave him and um, take us for children at quite a young age. So, yeah, she, she was a, a real rock now growing up and um, really defined us and, and set the tone for who we were going to become as adults.
1: Yeah, because I think just how powerful your childhood is in shaping who you are and what your values and I guess there must be some... Um resilience there to be or is it was there a need to find like a, a father figure in your in your life or, or try and be that for someone else? Do you feel do you feel that or was it? I think every young brother, I think every
0: young child or boy growing up without a father figure is always going to um, reach out for one. I think that it's probably a very um, ancestral want or desire to have a father figure, I think it's very natural and um, I think without it can be quite damaging to someone's development. Um, I was lucky enough to have some of those men in my life which really did set an incredible example. Incredibly good friend of mine who lives out of Piho, taught me how to surf, I stayed with him for many years my own growing up, he taught me a lot. And also a triathlon coach of mine who's a very uh, successful and famous running coach, a lot of work with Peter Snell. Uh, By the name of Jack Ralston, who passed of leukemia just over four, uh, three or four years ago, um, very instrumental in my development and growing up and taught me a lot of things.
1: Yeah, uh, so I interviewed Jake Miller the other day, and his dad died in the skydiving accident when he was yeah pretty young too. But he he'd really kind of taken the good, what good there is, out of it, and and, and didn't kind of dwell on the past. And but he kind of. He'd found um, Eric Watson and certain successful business people to kind of, I guess, mentor him as well, and was kind of really hungry like that. Which is sounds like you were you were the same. And and how do you how do you transition to that triathlon um, world from from school or from what you were doing?
0: Say so, again, miss that up.
1: How do you transition into triathlon? Um, was that always a a hobby or? sport?
0: Not at all. I, was, um, I think uh, genetically, I was, you know, I, I had fit, strong parents. Um, my mother was a very um, good, successful athlete when she was younger, and I believe my father was as well. Even though I didn't get to meet him, I think he was very athletic. Um, so I think genetically, I had a strong um, gene pool to do well in sports, especially endurance sports, um, long arms, big feet, and just a decent build. Meant I was always going to be a decent runner, and I started a local running group. And one of the coaches there suggested I do triathlon. Um, You know, I was a hungry kid with a bit of anger um, from his past who found solitude in racing triathlons and uh, made me feel good. So, yeah, I guess that was my starting point of just um, releasing anger, I guess, admitting it a lot of years later and just uh, finding something I was naturally quite good at, which helped and just went through the um, you know, the ranks of being a junior athlete, transitioned to elite athlete, racing overseas with the New Zealand team. I wish um, a lot of parts of me wish I could go back in time because I made a lot of mistakes um, in younger days as a triathlete. But I guess, again, taking good, the good from the bad, I don't think I would be in the position I am now, the knowledge I have now, or have the drive to work with the people that I can help now if I didn't make those mistakes when I was a younger athlete.
1: Yeah, what would uh, if you had advice for your twenty or eighteen year old self, what what do you think it, it would have been?
0: Um, the mistakes.
1: Or just just in terms of if you're gonna coach yourself or give yourself a bit of advice back then when you were just leaving yep. school or transitioning into that maybe adulthood or, or that triathlon world or um was there anything that's that kind of resonates now that you wish you had a known, maybe?
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll be here or not, if I go through them all, finding um, someone, someone you trust and really sticking with them, you know, as a developing athlete, you're always trying to jump from one branch to another, learn new information um, as quickly as you can. I think it's very important to be able to place trust in someone and really, really trust what they are, the intentions they have for you in terms of their knowledge and your performance um, are at their best. Also, just thinking of the best information and getting away, you know, so growing up I was raised in the old, very old school mentality of more training is better. Um, I had very poor nutrition, very poor recovery, but I was, I was training at the age of 17 and 18, just turning 18, I was training 40. I think my biggest training week was 43 hours. Um that's of active training that's not including recovery so you put recovery in gym in and that's about fifty sixty hours that's more than that's more than most elite triathletes do now, and it caused a lot of damage for me, but you know, I was training with people and in a group that more more was better and um I went along with it, so I guess just um finding the best information and also just working with athletes individually finding out what what makes them thrive what really atrophies them their background, and really taking that into account, creating a, a training program for them. If you're having a training squad and you have 15 young men in there, young boys in there, each one's going to come from a different background. And as, as a result of that, have different needs and different, um, just have different needs, different inputs that make them thrive, really bring up the best performance in them. So I really guess uh, getting to know your athletes um, on a deep level, not just from a, a sports physiology level.
1: And that would have been your advice to to when you were younger was maybe find what more recovery and more what worked for for you do you think
0: far less far less training um, far better nutrition and um, far better recovery
1: <laughs> um,
0: yeah it was basically if you can imagine uh, sharpening a knife on a on a whetstone and you just keep sharpening on one blade on one side of the blade and you flip it over to the other you get a very Sharp blade on one side, but it's extremely unbalanced when it comes to doing its job it's meant to do it. it. doesn't work very well.
1: Yeah, sure yeah the, the recovery is yeah it's so important and, um, and and obviously that's some pretty tough training and the courses you do are pretty tough but is there what, what do you find most challenging in your life or what's something you've done that that's really kind of pushed you to the, the edge?
0: Um, That's a good question actually, I guess, um, that's a very good question. About four years ago I developed epilepsy actually, Um, got quite sick here in Wanaka, developed epilepsy from some head injuries, they believe it was, from when I was younger, I had quite a few frontal lobe head injuries when I was younger and they think it um, evolved into epilepsy, so racing professionally as a triathlete, and epilepsy for me was brought on by stress, Uh, emotional stress or physical stress, so training just just emotions um, in my life or large training volumes or blocks um, intensified or worse the condition of epilepsy. So I was basically resorted to wanting to race as an athlete and trying to race as an athlete, but um, having multiple seizures a week, um, even up to three or four a day, and just being resorted to not being able to do much and not really knowing what to do about it. You go to the modern medical system and I was prescribed drugs, which I didn't really decide to, I didn't feel it was the best for me. For some people it may be the best for for people with chronic conditions of epilepsy when they have multiple seizures a day and they can't operate their normal life. Um, medication may be a good alternative for them to control it or mitigate it. But for me, I guess my, my mindset, my perspective and my knowledge in this, and also as an athlete, you want to try and do things yourself. And also coming from a survival background, you want to do things yourself and be thrifty and innovative. So the last couple of years, I've been really working on um, just a test army for myself, working with my condition, um, working with different things and trying to figure that out and see what um, what I can do to improve it. So there's a couple of key things I've been doing, particularly the gene gene regula- regulation and nutrition as well, which is pretty much perverse the condition for the last eight, nine months, seven to eight months actually, so for the last seven eight months have been uh, perfect, which has been great news and um, hopefully one day when it's a bit more tested, could perhaps pass that information on to others to help improve their condition.
1: Uh, well, it's um, yeah, it's kind of a humbling thing to to hear or I don't know, just kind of makes you f- realize how fragile we can be my cousin actually just had a it was her 21st the other day and i didn't even know this but she's just started developing epilepsy too or her dad had it when she he was younger and um she had one in the the shower and knocked her teeth out and stuff on her birthday her 21st 21st birthday and um
0: yeah it's it's horrific and it does a lot of emotional trauma especially for young children Mm. Who are at school, and just the understanding of um, illnesses and how they affect different people isn't taught for young children or young kids. And it's, um, I think, the psychological and emotional trauma it can cause is actually worse than the physical at times. Um, so, yeah, being able to work through that condition, and really, um, you know, like I said, for the last seven or eight months, been able to find a solution for me, which perhaps I could pass on to others um, when it's been a bit more thoroughly tested um, would make me very happy.
1: Is that working with? Greg as well on, on that or is
0: I guess for the last couple of years I mean we talk so often it's kind of been a um,
1: a fluid process
0: a constantly yeah fluid process a constantly rolling uh, tutorial or <coughs> apprenticeship with a lot of the things that he's learnt and has taught um, you spend so much time with someone and you, you just talk so often and you message th- so much throughout the day just about everything your brain just soaks up things so a lot of it's been through Greg a lot of it's just been through researching and trying to find an alternative um cure I guess
1: and is I looked at a bit of it with Dr. Dom Gastino, I think it is on the more of a ketone or fat based diet as well the sugar being a really big trigger of that in a lot of people is that like in terms of diet, is that something you focus on being higher in good fats and, and avoiding all the With my condition? Food? With epilepsy? Well, with both, I was going to say in general, but maybe even more so with your condition as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you look back, at taking um, just everyday life, answering that question first, when you look at well, ancestral health and what we're trying to do with that, the idea is to look back at time to when as a species when we we're our healthiest and use modern medicine and science to test that, do bioanalysis, and find out whether it works or if it's just a load of crap. And when you look back to when we really were healthy as, a, as an animal and species, we didn't consume a huge amount of sugar. Uh, we may have it certain times of the day or certain times of the year, but 24-7, um, all all day, every day, we didn't have that much sugar. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. I have a carbohydrate-appropriate diet, and I have – Inputs of um, quality carbs at certain times um, throughout the day in accordance with training and a few other things. Um, I think that's very important as well your 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 carbohydrate timing with other um, macronutrients, your fats and your proteins um, for my condition or the condition of epilepsy. Uh, And other neurological conditions, ketogenic diets or lower carbohydrate diets have proven to be very successful with reversing a lot of those symptoms and conditions. Um, We've done a lot of work with ketogenic diets for epilepsy, especially with young children. Very simple, but when it's done correctly, very beneficial uh, treatments as well. Um, Also, the regulation and upregulation of two specific genes in the body, one called AMPK, which is activated monophosphate protein kinase it's a it's a uh, metabolic pathway which is switched on basically under certain conditions it can be through fasting it can be through a ketogenic diet it can be through cold water training it can be through a few stress activated food nutrients I think with a gynostema and berberine um, and it's basically it, this there's, there's several functions sort and benefits to it but it, it switches your body into a I guess using epilepsy for this example it, it switches your body into a repair and regenerative mode. Yeah. And that's something I've been really trying to work hard on uh, trying to upregulate that specific gene and downregulate the mTOR which is the mammalian target of rapamycin gene um, which is your really accelerated growth gene basically.
1: Okay, so that yeah that promotion of Recovery. Is that linked to growth factor as well? The m m mTOR.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yes and no. You well. I mean, for example, if you do, if you do a very intense workout on a fasted state, your body um is going to have a very high level of testosterone and growth hormones, um, injected or released through the body. Um, you can also enhance mTOR with exercise and nutrition as well. Having a, an AMPK as well. Actually, um, having uh high carbohydrate meal and protein meal actually um, associated with training so, so i mean if you do fast and do an intense workout you are going to get a testosterone and growth hormone release whether or not you do eat um, but you can you can enhance it with nutrition as well
1: so what well, and if people or are work, it with nutrition if people if people are working out to or doing something strenuous is there any one thing you recommend Kind of getting into your diet after after a workout or before a workout, or do you like to work out on no food or um, or mix it up? So normally, I normally
0: each day I only do. Well, I mean, I don't normally. I normally only eat one carbohydrate and fat meal per day. I normally have a eating block between. Uh, this week hasn't been that shit hot. Normally between four to five and seven o'clock, so I normally have a bloody big meal, all my entire days. Um, calories and nutrition from between 4 and 7 p.m. If I'm doing multiple workouts, I'll add some protein in there. So there could be some eggs, a very good quality whey protein or pea protein. Um, If you're doing one workout a day, I think you can have your protein once a day or one big blast of protein. If you're doing multiple workouts, I think you can run into the damage of – muscle breakdown, tissue breakdown without adequate protein throughout the day. But I think, I guess, you know, the, the amount of protein we need as well, I think is overshot. And I think um, if you're getting it through whole foods, it's very hard to overdo. Um, so, yeah, most of my own day is in a fasted state. And that's when I have a lot of my medicines from my herbs, and my wild foods. Um, and afternoons where I really go to town and pig out. Or evenings is when I um do a lot of my eating.
1: Cool. So, and um – um uh, is there any been like obviously you work really hard but is is there been a piece of luck or like coincidence that you, is kind of got that you look back and you're like well that kind of guided me to this point or you know is it meeting someone like Greg or is it is it kind of thinking that not having a father might be a blessing in disguise or is it meeting your wife and having a is there one piece of luck or or something you look back on and just think well I'm kind of that's helped shape me and I haven't done anything for that.
0: Um, in terms of my overall life, which is splayed into every aspect I do know, absolutely. I think my childhood um, had a huge part. I wouldn't be the person I am. you know where everybody yourself, everyone everyone out there, their expression of their environments and their overall information they're provided with throughout their life. Um, you have an experience and you adapt accordingly or, or a way that you see fit. So yeah, definitely. um, I wouldn't be who I am now without the experiences throughout my life, without meeting my wife, having my child. Um, They're all moving to Wanaka, moving to this region from Auckland. Um, I guess the direction of our work. The hardest, one of the hardest parts, I think, when it comes to performance, health, and wellness in a modern world, is there's so many different trains of thought.
1: Hello? I think I lost.
0: If that makes sense. So I for just me. Lost, I had a very-
1: uh, lost you after train of thought there.
0: <laughs> I think that's all they got up to.
1: Okay, cool.
0: So I think, I think for me, um, I never really got caught into one of those groups. Um, I was always quite self reliant with my with my thoughts and, and the way I formed them. Um, my favourite animal ever since growing up was a wolf. That's why I got my dog, Alaskan Malamute Maske. He's the closest animal in New Zealand I can get to a wolf. I tried to get a wolf, but I not <laughs> allowed them here. Um, and I saw the way they acted and just just the way their, their physiology and biology made them such a formidable and successful, resilient species and animal. And I think... Actually, just my love of wild animals and wolves really shaped from a new, very early age this idea of ancestral health and how we can use it in a modern world, and really um, directed my path and gave me the perspective that I have now to um, to do the work that I do.
1: Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I almost had a question, which was, "What was your spirit animal?" But I think you've just you've just <laughs> answered that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I've always enjoyed Wolves, just their uh their their pack mentality, their loyal their loyalty, just how they look after each other, all the way through to their strength, their resilience and their health, and just uh you yeah, know, just the spirit and essence of um what they stand for, what they mean.
1: Yeah, that's great. And and that piece about moving to Wanaka, I I remember your answer was quite fascinating and because you were living in Auckland and then to go somewhere a bit more remote in the country. Obviously, less distractions, maybe better training, but was there, what, was that quite a big decision or was that a pretty easy transition for you?
0: It was a very easy transition, which I delayed for far too long. Um, I grew up in Auckland. I love the place. I love piha. I love the beaches. I love the the nightlife, the things there are to do. there, the options for activities I really enjoy. Um, but there was just a calling I had for a long time. As a younger athlete, I came down for a couple of world champs and a few national championships in Queenstown and Wanaka so I had an experience of the place and knew what it was like and when I was in Auckland I thought of it very often and there was just a strong calling I had that this was a place I had to be and and live and and try and establish a life and lifestyle here create work for myself and it's just um you know you can't get caught in a bubble here and it can get um as beautiful as it is very small very small town minded at times but it's a place I call home. it's a place I love. It's a place that I can be myself and also for my family. Um, so yeah for me personally, it's just a place I was calling for a long time.
1: Beautiful, because I think a lot of people are in that boat and maybe, like you said, delaying the decision as well. so
0: Of course. Um, you know it's, it's not till you really um, I'm a big believer in once you start to unblock the dam or the floodgate, the faster you do that. Um the quicker beneficial things are gonna flow. You know, for me I was stuck in Auckland and um the rest of my life was expressed the same way, you know I wasn't doing the things I wanted to do, the work I wanted to be in. And as soon as I really um respected and acknowledged that I did need to be in a place like this, um you know, everything else fell into place and great things started to happen.
1: Beautiful. And uh I better let start wrapping it up because uh (laughs) you've got a family i've got dinner and um but is uh if, if money wasn't an issue would you be doing anything different do you think
0: not at all actually um not really you know life's life's short and every day in the news or whatever you get reminded how short life is and When you're in a position like we are, you know we have incredible health, we have great resources and assets, great friends, we live in a stable environment um, and country. We're lucky people, Um, and I think it'd be a disservice to ourselves and everyone else around us to not each day or every day, every day would be um, wrong way to put it, but as a whole, as a life, to not make the most of it. And if there's things that we aren't happy doing, uh, modify them, change them, and and bring in things we really do love. you know, we're lucky people. It's a great time to be alive with the resources and assets that are available to us. So to make the most of those and really architect and shape a life that we absolutely love. So no, I, would, I wouldn't change anything I'm doing. And if I do get those feelings or emotions, I do sort of uh, consciously think on them and meditate on them and try and um, change it accordingly.
1: Do, do you meditate?
0: Uh, the, last, the last few months, no. Um, it's something that I need to start back to. I, I used to do a lot more um, and it's, it's a very beneficial practice one that I think um, needs a lot more importance placed on it and um, something once I get a bit more of a routine I'll be trying to implement a lot more but I, I, I don't I do see the importance and I think when I do, do it it's very beneficial.
1: Mm, yeah I feel the same there and talking about resources if there's any obviously what your site's new age primal, um all your information's on there and, and Facebook. Right? Are there are there any other resources, uh things you'd like people to maybe check out or follow, or books or movies, or um anything that kind of springs to mind?
0: Um we have our we have our website, newageprimal.co.nz dot co n z we have our Facebook page at New Age Primal, which we which we try and do Constant updates every day, every second day. We just do it, our normal thoughts and feelings. You know, it could be something that we've heard on the news, it could be something that's just been on our mind, something we've meditated on that we try and do an in-depth um, article about. But there's uh, there are some good books um, and resources. Um, there's one that really I enjoyed. Um, there's a couple actually. One's called Crazy Horse. The um, the Sioux Native American warrior Crazy Horse. He lived an extraordinary life, learned a lot of things, and I think the the lessons and um, teachings from Native American cultures play can can play a big part in today's society, and um, help a lot of people, especially young men. So that's one I find is very beneficial. What's um, another good one? There's one called Deep Survival, which is a um, overall survival philosophy book um, by an author called uh, Lawrence Gonzalez, which um, I found to be very beneficial as well. Um, those are the ones that have really helped me and tra- uh, shaped a lot of my thoughts. But um, again, it's just everyone is so individual with what they with what they respond to and what motivates them and what they find beneficial. So just just get out there, start looking for things, start researching things, and, and proactively look for things that really make you tick, really make you thrive, and really um, uh, make you express yourself in the best possible way.
1: Cool, man. And, uh, and any, any – uh, I going to check out that book. Too. I've heard about that crazy horse one from someone else as well. But any uh, favorite fruit? Yeah, it's a fantastic book. Fruit, veg, or meal when you – or maybe fruit. Have you got a favorite fruit down there? You're talking about the plum, the stone fruit. and
0: My favorite fruit is a mulberry, actually. It's a type of berry. And there's only one – they're not they're not common to New Zealand or this environment or this – um this part of the world and there was this one house down here on the corner and it had this most incredible mystic mulberry tree and no one else really knew what there was so I had my pickings basically and the house that it was adjacent on was owned by this old bugger who basically couldn't get any of the mulberries so we went down there and cut down the tree which pissed me off massively but uh, mulberries are probably my favourite ones we we live in a very abundant area gooseberries are a favourite one as well um, it, was, it was sport for choice down here, so those would be my two favorites.
1: And what's a a, a favorite vegetable as well as a, anything that pops out? Or a favorite, like you talked about that feast meal. I'm intrigued as to what you kind of really, you know, after a big day, what you like to get stuck into for a, for a feast. What does that look
0: like? Um. I've never been shit hot on veggies, to be honest. And I know that sounds weird. I understand the importance. They're not—they're not something I would go. Oh Jesus! I feel like a big veggie salad. Um, I eat a lot of them. I eat a lot of wild plants as well. Um, wild plants, which I guess if we're talking about it, comes under veggies. Same thing, just a wild variety. Pine pollen, uh, rose hips, um, wild dandelion. I eat a lot of. Uh, it's easy. I don't have to cook it or prepare it. I just rip it out of the garden or the or the, the grass. Um I enjoy cucumbers. Again, veggies aren't something I really think, oh wow, what's a what's a nice veggie salad I can make. I do eat a lot of them and understand the importance of them and promote a lot of them. Um I eat a lot of wild game meats or organic meats where I know where they've been sourced from. Um I eat meat, I, I I think is a very important uh, component of one's lifestyle, um, if sourced ethically and um as correctly and as humanely as possible. Um yeah, that's basically
1: it. Cool. And uh, if you had kind of a, a a billboard or one kind of message for people, maybe it's to reconnect to to nature somehow, or or maybe it's just something completely off topic. Is is there anything that kind of comes to mind? If you had one uh, big billboard down in the middle of Queenstown or something?
0: Yeah, I don't really have the correct wording, and you're more of a marketing man than I am, so you can probably fill in the blanks. <laughs> but set the priorities that you feel are fit for yourself and your and your family, the ones that are going to best serve you and your family, and architect a lifestyle around that. Um, so once they really and, and have a life purpose, you know that's something you you you'll read when you if you read that Lawrence Gonzalez book, and that's something that's very deep in the survival literature. Of who makes it or who survives and who dies um, under stressful conditions is having a life purpose, having something that's greater than yourself. You know, that's for me, that's me and my family creating an environment that I can always look after them and protect them. You know, that's my life purpose. And I think when people have a life purpose, uh, incredible things happen. And then probably find in the areas that you want to research or improve in, whether it be nutrition, exercise, life, business. Find the best person in the world, or the best people in the world at that. You know, we live in a internet culture now, where you can go on. If I type in nutrition, there'll be everyone from the the most someone who's just switched to a whole food diet today and decided to make a blog, all the way through the best people in the world, and everyone in between. So there, there's so much uh, saturated information on the internet. So find the people who are best at it. You know, go right to the top because it saves a lot of problems and it's um. Gets it results a lot more efficiently and effectively.
1: Oh, uh, that's yeah, that's great advice. That's exactly what I heard. echoed at Tony Robbins's course too was to find the masters and yeah, save yourself ten years and 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 yeah, do just that. Um, and yeah. then uh, it's wonderful. And the and actually, this I thought you'd be a good person to ask because I'm looking at kind of kitting out my van, so I've got everything that I need it at any one time just to kind of stay somewhere for a few days or camp on the beach in terms of water and campfire and tea and and, and I'd imagine you've got some good, pretty good knives and, and objects, but is there one kind of object or, or possession you have which you find super useful or that you, you treasure more than another? So if your house was going to burn down, you'd be like, well, it'd be great to have uh, this particular thing
0: um, yeah. yeah, it's not going to help you out at all, but it may give you a different perspective on it. If your house gets burned down, you're pretty much stuffed. But if you do have the correct, um, or if your van gets robbed and you're left out in the wilderness, you're basically stuffed. But one thing that is always going to make you survive is the, um, your mindset and the strategies, survival information and knowledge that you've accumulated for a lot of years and have actually practiced. Will get you out of shits creek um, nine times out of ten.
1: That is, uh, um,
0: and again, I know that doesn't help at all. So I try and have a couple of things on me with at all times. I guess to make it specific for you, always having a good blade, a good knife, um, always having a way you can heat food, whether it be a lighter, a match, or a, um, a flint. You know, they never fail. Get a good one of those. A knife for good flint. Um, something you can always purify water in, whether it be a life straw or just a container the you know in the sealed pot that you can boil water um and also you know just have knowledge on on food you know even the best preppers in the world are run out of food but if you practice and have a good knowledge of um wild foods in your local environment you're always going to find something um but you know creating a survival plan is very specific for what you For whatever you're going to need, you know, always a good pair of boots in the car, a good pair of shoes. You know, we live in an earthquake-prone environment, so um, I enjoy walking around in bare feet, but if there's a massive earthquake or disaster, try getting out of that and bare feet, running over grass and rubble. You're not going to get very far.
1: Yeah, do you wear the Vibram? I remember you had a good boot supply, didn't you? You mentioned to me last time. I've got a good
0: supply of minimalistic boots, but yeah, I do wear Vibrams in the summertime. or very... Uh, minimalistic running shoes.
1: Cool, man. I think that's uh, that's the prepare for the emergency and prepare and the mind being the best tools. A great, great place to to wrap it up. And uh,
0: absolutely,
1: I love your work and it was a pleasure to stay with you guys and lovely to hear you and Belle are, are doing well and and the little one just got an image of <laughs> it before. But um, yeah, no, I appreciate beautiful. the kind so of words and thank you for your time yeah man it'd be nice to
0: have you all down here again sometime it's
1: super inspiring yeah um, I was thinking it'd be great to bring a a crew down to do one of your courses or get you up here or. um, absolutely
0: whenever it fits in
1: that'd be a great thing to organise and and have a chat about yeah
0: it'd be a real treat
1: beautiful thanks for taking the time out Ben well hopefully that has you howling like a wolf Woo! Why not, why not make some animal sounds now and again? It uh, feels good. So, thanks to Ben. Check him out, New Edge Primal. I'll try and... I want to get down to a course. Hopefully you do too. Unleash the possibilities. Get those survival skills, physical, mental skills, up to standard or beyond. What even You, you won't even know what's possible. Uh, it's the... Uh, the unknown, what we don't know that we don't know, that's what you could look forward to. So I'm excited to do a course, hopefully you are too. And uh, again, show notes in the in the podcast page and also that video of Ben with his um, little epilepsy awareness thing, which is cool. And I'm reading this book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, real doozy. Check that out too in the other books. Uh, that Ben mentioned, The Crazy Horse, one I'm keen to read. How to Win Friends and Influence People, though, that's a real game changer. It talks about importance, how we've kind of got these psychology needs that human beings do. Tony Robbins talks about the same kind of things in, uh, in terms of significance and connection. And and Freud talked about it in terms of sex drive and wanting to be great. And But basically, we need significance and importance, or we have a lot of uh, motivation to to have that otherwise it would kind of almost be suicidal so we seek it in violence or positive or negative ways or you know building a great business or doing something like what ben does so you know see how you may be channeling that into your life you might be to change it and prioritize what's important to you uh there's a piece maybe It was a tim ferris piece or tony no jarek robbins tony robbins son talking about going through your eye calendar and see what actually aligns up with your priorities so if you enter, spending time with your dog and your wife and doing outdoor activities, but none of that's in your schedule each week, then uh, maybe need to reassess that. But uh, yeah, hopefully you took something out of it. Lots of love, appreciate any feedback, comments, hugs on the street, random gifts of date smoothies, date smoothies, dates and smoothies. Maybe, I've been eating dates, Need to go on some more dates too, that's good for you. And uh, thank you to Ben, thank you to you, much love. Share it with a friend. Other podcasts too. I need, I'm going to do a recommendation page. I've had a few requests around that. Other podcasts, films, movies. So we'll get those up for a starter. If you're looking for some extra ones outside of the Dugget, you can only have so much vitamin D apparently. Or can you? I don't know. I'm going to ask Ben Warren this week. I'll ask him that. Maybe there's too much Dugget you can have in your life. But uh, doing Ben Warren this week, which is exciting. But also, check out Tim Ferriss, if you haven't already. Rich Rolls, a doozy. His one on Wooter, who was in town. I got my tea ceremony with Tian, who's one of Wuda's Weida, students this Monday. So that's a good one to come check out if you want a little taste before they're back in March. And uh, Seth Godin's Startup School, if you're new into business. Tony Robbins' podcast is great. And Rewilding on the, on the um, kind of theme of the podcast with Ben. Rewilding with Daniel Vitalis. A lot of this uh, kind of material on harvesting, foraging foods. Uh, natural ways to work out, to have relationships, to have culture around tribes. Uh, Really interested in this, this, I guess there's a resurgence of this as a, maybe a response to technology and an industrial uh, kind of revolution culture. So, trying to bring back some of those uh, inherent human values, which is really cool. So, I think I'm going for a record for the longest outro ever long's not always the way to go though but in this case it is and thanks to Arthur Arby's again beautiful music I believe in greatness is this song off gold check it out do a donation buy it on soundcloud it'll get you dancing rocking through the day yeah that's all think less experience more hope you dug it and we'll speak listen talk hug do something together soon much love.